0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1048.
1: If you can dream it, you can achieve it. But it does take focus, commitment, unwavering dedication, hard work, more hard work, and a a real good deal of luck.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Gordon King. Hey Gordon, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: Buckled up, cinched down, helmet on, I'm ready.
0: All right, here we go. Gordon King is the owner of ProPac in Charleston, South Carolina. He founded the company in 1980 after doing work for the Red Cross and Salvation Army. ProPac specializes in emergency preparedness and disaster response supplies. But it's Gordon's passion for automobiles and motorcycles that brings him to cars, yeah. He grew up in Cape Town, South Africa, where his father worked for Atlantic Refining Company, a BP. That led to encounters with the elite in racing, including people like Sir Sterling Moss, Jim Clark, Jackie Stewart, and the who's who of motorsports. And so the car bug bit Gordon hard. He's raced motorcycles and cars and has immersed himself in the car hobby, having over 40 bikes and cars in his collection. And ask him sometime when you run into him about the day he met Bernie Ecclestone at the Bass Pro Shop in Texas. That led to a 30-minute racing story swap. Very cool. Well, Gordon, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment share a little more about your business and a very obvious passion for automobiles and motorcycles?
1: Well, I, I do. Uh, I have a very good little business here in Charleston. It's a bit of a niche business. Uh, I've got a great team of people working for me, most of them very long-term employees, some of them 20 and 25 years. So uh, I'm very, very lucky in that regard. Uh, we're emergency response and suppliers to uh, FEMA, Red Cross, state and local emergency management offices, uh, as well as public health departments. And uh, we're very proud of a new partnership that we've struck up with Granger, the industrial distributors. Um, they are now selling products for us. And as I speak, uh, we are actually uh, down at the trade show in Texas uh, showing our products to all their customers. So that's been a good relationship. Um, on on the car side, you want me to start from, from when I first got bitten?
0: Well, you can tell us a little bit. We're going to jump into the questions in a minute, but I'd love for our listeners to know a little bit about, yeah, your background with cars, because it goes way back.
1: Um, yes. My dad worked for, for Atlantic Refining Company at the time, and I, I guess my interest first started in Rhodesia. He was the, the local sales guy for the Federation of Rhodesia at the time. There were three three countries that were federated. And uh, he traveled all over. And we started going to uh, race meets when I was about five or six years old. Took my first race car ride uh, when I was six, and that set the bug. They raced bikes and cars. Uh, Rhodesia really was a hotbed of racing back then and produced uh, several uh, motorcycle world champions. So I saw a lot of them race uh, when I was just a young tot. Uh, But that sort of set the bug, and uh, it's never gone away.
0: Well, obviously it hasn't. And our good friend, um, Ramsey Potts, who's a past guest here on Cars Yeah, connected us and said, I met the most interesting guy, Gordon King. You got to have him on your show. So a shout out to Ramsey for uh, connecting us here on Cars yeah. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Gordon, take the wheel.
1: Uh, you know, there are so many to choose from. It's a difficult one just to nail one down. But, uh, and it, it kind of, this one kind of applied to me. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. But it does take focus, commitment, unwavering dedication, hard work, more hard work, and a, a real good deal of luck.
0: <laughs> very much so. It reminds me of that saying that Enzo Ferrari, uh, very similar. Yeah, if you can dream it, you can do it. Well, how have you incorporated that into your life as it relates to automobiles?
1: Well, my interest was always there. My, my, my very first car was a 1935 Morris Roadster, which I hadn't had but a few months, and out came the engine, and in went an Anglia 100E motor. We had to hut this thing up a little bit, which we did, and I had a wonderful time driving that around. Had all sorts of Walter Mitty thoughts of me being you know, a racing driver at some time. My next car after that was a little Renault R8 Alconi, which is a South African version of the Gordini. Same car that Jody Schechter started his career in and did and did very, very well. I was trying to follow in Jody's shoes. Unfortunately, I ran out of talent one day, and <laughs> managed yeah. to roll the car and then caught fire and burned to the ground. Oh, and no. I was pretty poor at the time, pretty broke, so I could never replace it. So uh, that dream didn't go anywhere.
0: Yeah, Ford Anglia. Now, I raced a Lotus 18 uh, 1960 car that had – Ford Anglia motor in it, I believe. I remember back. Right, you probably ago. had
1: the 105 E motor.
0: Yes, yes, yes you did. yeah. It was very exactly.
1: popular in the FJ cars.
0: Yeah, great little car. I love that car. I always tried to channel my inner uh, Jimmy Clark when I jumped in that car because I know he raced those way early in his career. But uh, like you, I was nowhere near his talent level. Um, luckily, never rolled the car and burned it or anything like that. But, Actually, uh, I, did
1: see, but, I did see Jimmy Clark and Trevor Taylor both drive Lotus 20s. They, oh, they, wow. they came down to South Africa, and uh, it was just an absolute joy. I still have a picture that I took on the, the grid where they were lined up side by side at the start of the race. But I, I was absolutely heartbroken because… Trevor Taylor won that race. He actually beat Jim Clark. (laughs) I didn't think that was possible. (laughs) But I I think Jim might have just, because it was a non-championship race, I think Jim sort of just gave him a little wave by and said, you know, you go win this.
0: Yeah, well, nice guy that he was, no doubt. What a fun memory. Wow, great. Well, let's go back in time. You've talked a little bit about your passion for cars and a couple of those early cars. But I know you've got a, a lot of cool cars in your collection, but I'd love to hear About that very first special car. Maybe that first collector car. That first car that you got that had great meaning for you. And and share maybe a memory you have about that vehicle. My very
1: first car was a special car. It really was. And I'd have to go with that. That was my 1934 Morris Roadster. And uh, I'm talking to somebody in England who has one. And I may purchase that and bring that back to Charleston. Um, It just opened up so much more for me. I uh, I was at school. All my friends were riding bicycles. There were only two of us that had cars, myself and Mickey Westmoreland. He had a little MG TV. so we we were the big guys on campus with these uh, little cars that we had. Uh, the girls liked it too, so it gave me all sorts of new freedom. And uh, I did all sorts of things. We painted it. I had some oversized Lucas tribeam headlights on it, so <laughs> it looked quite unusual. Very very good looking car with bottle green with silver body with uh, bottle green. Uh, fenders. So it was a very attractive car. Didn't handle very well. The chassis flex. If you went around a corner too fast, the doors would fly open. So <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> we would have the doors wired up. But that would have to be my first special car. And there, there were several after that. But uh, that started the ball rolling.
0: No doubt. My father had an MGTC when I was quite young. And I remember we went around a corner rather spirited. And the passenger door, which I was the passenger on the left side because his car was a right-hand drive, the proper English way, of course. And my door, yeah, it unlatched, and I just about flew out the door. I'll never forget, he reached over and grabbed the collar of my shirt and yanked me back in the car. And, oh, that woke me up. And he just said, well, next time, keep your hand on that door and pull on it when we go around the corner. But, uh, yeah, those little cars had a lot of flex to them. Well, I know that your dad probably was the one who instigated your passion for cars by taking you to events. But is there a pivotal moment when you look back that you knew you were a car guy?
1: I think, yeah, it would definitely be my first race car drive or ride. I'm sorry, as a passenger. I was only about six or seven years old. One of my dad's friends asked me if I'd like to take a ride in his Hudson Terraplane. It was a stripped-down Hudson, nothing but a, a chassis with two seats in it, a radiator up front, uh, no fenders or lights or anything. Uh, it was a dirt track. It was probably about a mile and a half, but it wasn't an oval. It was a twisty track, had, had all sorts of turns, But it was very, very hard-packed. Uh, they used to have an oil bowser run around the, the track dripping oil on the dirt to make yeah, it, to yeah. compact it. That first ride with the engine noise coming from up front, the smell, the burning oil, the rubber, the the wind in your face, I, I got out of the car and I was absolutely giddy. I knew that that's what I was going to do at some point in my life.
0: No doubt. No doubt. What a fun memory. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down, Gordon. You've been an entrepreneur your whole life. That's fraught with ups and downs. And you've been a racer. That is fraught with some ups and downs and challenges. So I'd love for you to share a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. And of course, these things teach us invaluable lessons. So walk us through one of yours, if you would.
1: Well, I think the biggest lesson was uh, starting my own business. When I was securely employed, I was working for my father-in-law at the time, a bit of a contentious relationship. But after 10 years, uh, I I felt I sort of earned my stripes and wasn't being appreciated. So with a family of four, I was, uh, well, five, actually, myself, my wife, and three children, I took a leap of faith. Um, I had about ten thousand dollars saved up. I left New Jersey, where we were living, moved to Charleston, and, and started my business. I had made some good connections along the way and uh, had a little bit of savings. And spent uh, the first year visiting all my prospective customers, telling them what I could do, and they, they all, you know, liked what I did. We'd worked for them before, and I started picking up business that way. I felt out of necessity, if I was going to provide for my family the way I thought they should be provided for, I was going to be the guy to have to do that. So uh, it did take dedication and focus. I worked very, very hard, 18 hours a day for, for months and months and months on end. But uh, the rewards eventually came, and here we are, 29 years later, still in business.
0: Well, congratulations. It's a wonderful success story, and I'd love for you maybe maybe provide a little takeaway from that story for someone who's out there right now who's in a position, but wanting to go out and start their own business, but they might need a little word of encouragement or a nudge or a little bit of advice from somebody who's been there and done that. What are a couple things you could share with them?
1: First of all, there has to be a desire and a commitment. Uh, If you, if you really, really want to do it, you can't look at all the, all the what ifs and what if this happens and we go out, you know, go belly up or something. It starts with a plan. It starts with a vision Put your plan in place you've got to provide either goods or services or something of value to somebody else take that very very first step do start your small company um, go and find some customers and or clients or prospects that will buy your services and work into it slowly there are lots and lots of business groups out there that you can join where there are small entrepreneurs that get together as almost like a think tank uh, or, or a board of directors uh, the, the alternative board is one of them, TAB, and there you have like-minded individuals meeting on either a weekly or a monthly basis uh, to, to share common goals uh, and experiences. And it's a, it's a really, really good place to start. The local chambers of commerce are good. Uh, they're also good. And then there are other business groups. There's a group called Vistage. uh might be a little expensive for startups. But that's where you get anywhere from 12 to 15 CEOs meeting once a month and discussing business opportunities uh, or functions. And generally, it's just a a way to talk to people outside of your business and and, and get, you know, 5, 10, 15 brains looking at an issue or a problem.
0: I'm so glad you mentioned that because a lot of times when people start a business, they feel like they're isolated, they're by, by themselves, and they're sometimes reluctant to seek help because they might look weak or unknowing or whatever that might be, whatever might trip them up in, in seeking help. But there are so many great groups, and you mentioned some fantastic ones there. There's also even some great Facebook groups that you can join up and be a part of and ask questions. And I found that in most business worlds, many, many people are willing and eager to help answer questions, and help you succeed. So uh, don't sit there in isolation. Reach out for help. Find a mentor or two or three or four or maybe even more in a group. Actually,
1: that's a very, very good point, finding a mentor. You have a lot of retired people, guys sort of, you know, done with their careers, 50, 60, 70 years old, who would love that. I I absolutely credit all of my business success to a mentor I had uh, back in the 70s gentleman in New Jersey, Uh, he actually lived in New York, but he took me under his wing as his retirement project. He was a former (laughs) president of several divisions of the Gillette Company. He he owned the product Woolite, he owned Griffin Shoe Polish, uh, all sorts of household consumer goods, and his name was Bernie Gould. He was a wonderful man. Uh, He really showed me the ropes. He gave me the Bernie Gould MBA, pounding the streets of New York, Washington, and many other cities. And he mentored me to the point that I felt very, very comfortable going out doing what I did. So I think there are other business mentors out there. Also go to the local business school, find out, even if you're not attending, uh, you will find that they seem to groom and graduate or gravitate, uh, should I say, to um, local business leaders that want to share their entrepreneurial passion. We've got several of them here in Charleston, and the Charleston Business School here is very, very good, as is. University of South Carolina up in Columbia, their business school is absolutely remarkable. Uh, We've had several of their students down to our business uh, for mentoring sessions.
0: Golden nuggets you dropped on us today, Gordon. I appreciate that very much. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career or a life aha moment. It's a time when those headlights come on and kind of steer you down a new path that has proved to be successful. Tell us about one of yours.
1: Well, I would say one of, one of my aha moments was uh, back in early, well, probably 1990, I was at the U.S. State Department pitching them on a kit that uh, we had developed. It was uh, a kit for uh, 100 responders to go into rubble after a, an earthquake or, some, or perhaps even a bomb blast uh, to go and look for survivors. And it was a very expensive kit, but it was all products that uh, really had to be on hand immediately in one of those situations. I went to the State Department, pitched the product, they really, really liked it, and said, okay, we're gonna order uh, several hundred of them. Well, this left me uh, with a predicament, yes, it would be nice to get the business, but being a a, a less than a year old business, I didn't have any credit. So, you know, funding an operation or funding a procurement like that takes uh, quite a bit of money, uh, which I didn't have. I went to the bank, they wouldn't loan me any money. I went back to the State Department, At the time, Julia Taft was President Taft's granddaughter, was running the Office of Foreign Disaster Assistance. She wanted to meet with me. So I went up there and had a meeting with with her. She liked me. She liked the idea. She got the procurement people in there and said, look, let me write a letter to his bank. We'll guarantee payment. So that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's a great story. I went back to the bank. They loaned loaned me the money. I did repay it. And that was the first big job. But after, after I got that one under my belt, I said, boy, I'm on my way.
0: It's another great little story here to share with those people out there that, you know, when you hear a no, there might always be another way. So, again, reach out to somebody. Tell them your situation. Don't be afraid. Tell them the truth. And you never know what they might do to help you out. So it's an awesome story. Very, very cool.
1: You make a very good point. One of my other mentors is my old Vistage coach, Dan Wurtenberg, remarkable man. Absolute business genius. We, in fact, used to work for Lee Iacocca. Um, He's just a tremendous guy. And Dan has always said, and this has stuck with me, no is nothing but a slow yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that one, too, in a little bit different twist. No is just means no today. It doesn't mean no tomorrow. Very good. So that's a good way to think about that. Yeah. Don't ever worry about that door shutting because there might be a little crack of light in that door for the future. You just need to find maybe a different door to go through That's another one that I heard early on. You know,
1: I just thought of something else when you were talking about inspiration for these younger entrepreneurs. Something that I have done and and still continue to do is read lots and lots of books on other successful people. Look at their habits. Look at their traits. uh, See what they did. Uh, see what they wrote about. Uh, those kinds of things are absolutely invaluable. One of the the best and biggest and, and, and my favorite in the automotive business is Sashiro Honda. When you mm, look at what yes. he was faced with, having not seen a car until he was eight years old and then going out and building this empire from nothing, uh, especially in uh, war-torn Japan shortly after the war, is truly remarkable. So that's a very inspiring story. So if he could do it then, and t- with today's tools, I mean, anybody who wants to get going certainly can.
0: Absolutely. And and the books is a great uh, comment. There's a great section on the CarShout website called Guest Recommended Books, where I've listed all my guest recommendations. We're going to get one from Gordon today. But it's a wonderful resource for you to go to, and I made it really easy for uh, viewers. Just click to buy. I had Tony Robbins, the, uh, the human resources coach, I guess you could call him. I mean, very successful guy, very entrepreneurial and philanthropic. He was a client of mine when I was very young. Met him on a beach in Del Mar one morning oh, wow. as I was coming out of the ocean. And uh, we started doing, I was working in graphic design. We started doing work for him. And I'll never forget in a meeting with him, he said, look, Mark, he said, I was bone broke. I had nothing. And I went to the library and I read over a 100 books about how to help people. And that's where I started my career. And from there, of course, we all know where Tony Robbins has gone. I mean, it's just phenomenal what he's done. So I love the concept of books. And that's why I've got that great place on the Car Show website, Guest Recommended Books. Well, I know you have a lot of cars, but you told me in an email that you're slowly paring down your collection a little bit. But I always ask each of my guests about seller's remorse, a car they let go that they wish they'd never let go. And I like to take money out of the equation because the car market goes up, up and down. We maybe all have those cars that have gone up after we let them go. But is there one car in your collection you've had over your life that you really wish you had back?
1: Uh, Yes, there is. And I I have sold lots of nice cars fairly recently. But the one that really sticks out was my 63 E-Type 1. Uh, Sorry, my Mm -hmm. 63 E-Type Jag Series 1. Uh I considered it a rescue. My roommate that I was having a beer with down in Cape Town about 20 years ago, used to work for Frank Williams, by the way, when we lived in London together. He had an E-Type that he was going to go vintage racing. He says, yeah, I'm going to tear the interior, put a roll cage in and all that. So anyway, I said, can I see the car? So we finished our beers, went down to his house, and I saw this absolutely pristine 63 E-Type. So I shamed him into changing his mind.
0: <laughs>
1: I said, you can't do this. You go find a banged-up old E-Type and make a race car of that. He says, this is too nice. So I said, why don't you just you know, keep it or sell it? Well, he called me the next day, and he said, Gordon, I thought about what you said. It's for sale. I said, how much? He gave me a price. I said, sold. So it was a dove gray with a red interior, and Mm -hmm. it was all original. The quarter panels had been painted over time here and there, but I remember taking it to a a Jag show up at the BMW factory that we've got here in South Carolina, Eurofest, and uh, when I opened the hood all the Jag guys' cameras came out, and they started taking pictures of an unmolested E-Type. The nuts and nice. bolts were in the right place, and the right brand, the right size, and it, it really was a benchmark car because so many of those get so over They really do. But anyway, we made this a really, really nice driver, Andy Green down in Savannah, uh, who's been a guest on your show. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, Andy uh, did most of the work. We did shocks and brakes and just all drivability things. And then Ted Wentz and Wayne Brown rebuilt the motor down at uh, Savannah Race Engineering. Great little engine shop that. And it was just so sweet. Why I let it go in this downsize, I have no idea. It was just silly. I'd love to have it
0: back. Uh, Well, no doubt. Uh, Wonderful car, of course. Beautiful car. So, Oh, uh, well, we'll move on from that sad moment. What's got you excited and fired up right now in your life?
1: Oh, there's a lot on the car side. The downsize is going well. I'm going to be downsizing some bikes, too. I am going to make a room for a restoration project. I've got an old 914-6. It's a, it's a stalled race car project that's been sitting for 15 years. I've got <laughs> a brand-new twin-plug engine to put into it. I think what I'm going to do is cut the roll cage out and make it back into a street car. They've become quite valuable now, so that's my next project. And on the business side, it's our new relationship with Granger. They are an absolutely wonderful company uh, to work with. I visited their headquarters um, last year, met some of their top guys, and I've never seen a company with better corporate culture. They want all their suppliers to be successful, and they will go the extra mile to make sure you are. So I'm very excited about that, and we're going to do good things with them.
0: No doubt. Granger. Yes, I've purchased many things from them. I have a uh, we're up, we're a little wet up here in the Pacific Northwest and it's always bothered me with my garage, so I purchased a heater from them for my garage and a, a dehumidifier for my garage right. from Granger and it's it's worked for a long they both worked for a long time. Help keep my cars and tools dry when I pull a wet car into the garage right. and shut the door. So, great company, Granger. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Gordon. If you were a vehicle, what would you be and why?
1: I looked at that in your pre-show, and that's a that's a hard question. But I did give it some thought. Um, you know, the Porsches, the Ferraris, and all of those came to mind, and I said, yeah, you know what? I, I have a couple of them down in Cape Town. They're reliable, tough. They go anywhere. I would have to be a Defender One Ten Land Rover." Oh, cool! Uh, there's not many places they can't go. You can take your friends with you. They are reliable in spite of some of the rumors out there of the new uh, Land Rovers. Tough as nails, and they've been around since 1948, just like me.
0: Well, they're classic, just like you, Gordon, of course. But uh, I know you shared a bunch of cool pictures with me uh, before we got together for the show, and I saw one going down a sand dune. And it looked like it had Dakari, like uh, that old TV show, The Zebra Stripes, on it. Is that the vehicle you're talking about? That
1: is. That's one of them. That's called the Puma. That's got a five-cylinder turbo diesel in it. Very nice mm-hmm. little uh, car. Um, those zebra stripes, by the way, I put on myself. Oh, <laughs> yeah. cool. They have vinyl stripes. I cut them here in Charleston, took them down on one of my trips down there, and, and put them on. It's a lot more difficult than it looks.
0: Uh, yeah, it does. It takes some patience. But I'll tell our listeners, Gordon shared some cool pictures with me. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't uh, He doesn't just uh, talk about having an off-road. He walks his talk. Uh, he sent some great pictures of that thing uh, in the sand dunes and off-road, and it uh, looks like you have some great fun with that vehicle.
1: We do. Uh, we do I try and do a, a safari at least every 18 months, and we go up into Botswana and or Namibia, which is some of my favorite countries, and they're, they're absolutely wonderful. If you ever get a chance, those are the two to go and visit.
0: Fantastic places in the world. Well, Gordon, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Gordon, we're back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? If it sounds too good to be true, it
1: probably is. Run away. (laughs) Run away. Yes,
0: most definitely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years?
1: I think one that has is being punctual. Be punctual, show up, show up on time, and be ready and prepared. Absolutely. Do
0: you have a resource that you think our listeners would particularly enjoy?
1: That's a tough one. There are so many of them out there. Bring a Trailer is my favorite website. Uh, (laughs) My wife cringes every time she sees me on it. Uh, (laughs) Hemmings is a good place as well. And then, you know, I'm into old Porsches as well. So Stoddard and Pelican Parts, Renlist and the 356 Registry, all good places.
0: Yeah, Randy Nennenberg... Who's one of the co-founders of Bring a Trailer. Yeah, I curse him every morning when that shows up in my inbox and I look at all the new cool cars I could buy or cars I can't afford to buy. But uh, yeah, I just had a good friend, Michael Harley, actually, who's been on this show. He works for Kelly Blue Book, just sold his turbo. Uh, He has a late 80s turbo like I do on uh, Bring a Trailer. And uh, I know a good friend, Bill Morris who's a listener, uh, Doc Bill. He's got a great collection. He's bought a couple of cars from Bring a Trailer. i mean, so I've yeah, bought a I couple
1: think, of cars off of them, too.
0: Yeah, I think his wife wants to figure out how to block that from getting into his <laughs> inbox. So, oh, Sorry, Mary. Uh, I can't do that to Bill. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be?
1: That's a tough one because there are so many people that have contributed so much and done you know, quite well with it. But I would say the guy that I would like to talk to most would be Sashiro Honda. Oh, yes. From, from where he started and the drive and the ambition that he had, when you look at some of the motorcycles he produced in the late 50s and early 60s, his company, you know, only being 10 years old, is absolutely remarkable. Uh, One of my favorite motorcycles ever is still the RC166, and it's the 250cc six-cylinder Honda that ripped to 18,000 RPM. I know Jim Redman that won five world championships on those bikes, and it's just, it's absolutely remarkable. The guy was an absolute genius way ahead of his time.
0: Absolutely. Boy, that would be, I'd like to sit with you in that conversation and listen to some of those stories. Could learn a lot of valuable lessons. Now, how about a book? We mentioned books earlier. Is there a book, one book in particular, you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: I can't pare it down to one book. Well, a, couple's a couple is okay. okay. Um, Peter Schutz's book is good if you're a Porsche guy. Um, I've met Peter several times. What an interesting character he was. I think uh, the name of his book was Driving Force. Yes. Uh, that was good. There's another automotive book called The Limit by Dave Cannell. That's, that's a okay. good one. And, of course, A.J. Blame's Go Like Hell. Yep. And and an inspirational book, if you're looking for something like that. I'm reading it at the moment, and it's really very, very interesting. I'm a huge Churchillian, a Churchill fan. And uh, I'm reading a book right now by uh, Daniel Smith called How to Think Like Churchill. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. I picked it up a couple of weeks ago when I was in London. We actually visited the war rooms from where Churchill directed the war. And uh, I picked this up in their bookstore.
0: That's an interesting book. I read a book years ago called How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. Mm. But uh, that's got to be a very different book than How to Think Like Winston Churchill. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no doubt. But, and A.J. Baim, of course, our regular listeners will know he's been a guest on the show. Go Like Hell is the second most recommended book here on Cars, yeah. Of course, uh, the book, The Art of Racing in the Rain by Gar Stein is the most recommended. Oh, book. I love They're that. about to make it. I love that. They're working on a movie right now. Finally, that's going to be a movie. So uh, we'll all look forward to that because all car guys who love that book and love dogs. I mean, it's a great combination. So very cool. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great Gordon King resources that he's been so kind to share on his show notes page. Just go to com. Type in Gordon King. And all these resources are there. And don't forget to look for the Guest Recommended Book tab on the website for these books and all the wonderful books that have been recommended by my inspiring automotive enthusiast. All right, Gordon, we're up to the last question here. And this one can be a doozy for a guy who's got a lot of cars. Today, I'm going to make you sell all your cars. And you can only have one in your garage, but you got to drive it. You can't sell it to buy back all your cars. That little trick's off the table. But the cool thing is I'm writing the check, so money is not a concern today. What would that vehicle be and why?
1: I, it, that's that's also a very tough one. When you look at everything that's out there, it really uh, oh, it yeah. is tough. But uh, this has now moved into the unobtainium realm for me, but it's been a favorite car of mine since I was, oh, a teenager, and that would have to be a 1929 Bentley Speed 6. Four and a half liter supercharged.
0: Ooh, uh, that's the first time that car has been recommended here or asked for here, I should say. That's a very unique and different car in a very old car. What is it about that car you like so much?
1: It was so far ahead of its time for the time that it was built, it sort of set the standard for all those cars that followed in the 30s. When you look at what the Bentley boys did um, back then, and mm-hmm. by the way, there's a very strong link to uh to South Africa and Cape Town with W. O. Bentley. He used to ship a lot of his cars down there and tear around the country in those. And many of them wound up down there. And I think that sort of piqued my interest in them. Very, very nice car. Beautifully made. And it's it's just a it's a it's a very large piece of jewelry.
0: It's <laughs> it's big, all right. It's a huge car, really. When you look at it, I mean it's just giant. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the same model as the uh, infamous blue train Bentley?
1: It's very, very similar, but not the actual one. Uh, Okay. They they, they did build several body styles and and various uh, displacement engines. The 29 and and 30 Bentleys were probably the most well-known for their Le Mans successes. Mm. They raced in one Le Mans during that period. Um, In fact, uh, we were lucky just a couple of weeks ago, we were in England, and we went to, to Brooklyn's, um, oh, and, and nice. we visited the museum there, of which there were a few. And by the way, my dad used to be a member of Brooklyn's motor racing club back in the 30s.
0: Wow. And I still have, wow. I still
1: have his membership card.
0: <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Well, very cool, very cool. Well, it's a marvelous museum, of course, as well. Well, Gordon, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I'm so glad that we were connected, and I've really enjoyed your stories. I think you and I could sit and talk about your stories forever and ever. Next time we're together, we're going to have to do that. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars yeah! audience. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 29 Bentley?
1: I would say, you know, leave more than you take. Mm, um, nice. Be, be, be kind to people on the way up. Because they may be the same people that you meet as you go down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that one, too. That's great. But I love I love the idea of leaving more. I'll tell you, when I got married, my grandfather, my grandparents were married for 70 plus years. And I asked my grandfather, I said, hey, grandpa, what's the secret to having a long, successful marriage? And he said, oh, that's easy. Just do everything she tells you to do. (laughs) And then my grandmother jabbed him in the ribs and said, don't lie to the boy, Bill. And then he got very serious, and he said, you have to be willing to always give more than you expect back. And then you'll have a wonderful relationship. And I think it's the same in life. It's the same in business. And what you just shared with us is exactly those same words, or are those same words that my grandfather shared with me uh, 34 years ago now. So, uh very nicely said. Well, Gordon, what's the best way for listeners to learn more about you and your business?
1: Well, for the business side of things, they could visit our website, which is uh, com. You'll see all the wonderful products that we have available. We've got about 2,000 SKUs. And then personally, uh, just look at me on Facebook. I don't do LinkedIn. I try not to anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, Facebook or... Uh, just email
0: or phone. There you go. Well, listeners, I'll make sure to put links to Gordon's contacts and everything he shared today on his show notes page on the Karzia yeah! website. Just go there and type in Gordon King. Gordon, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Karzia yeah! audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Well, thank you, Mark. This is a great honor and a privilege to have been included on your show. Especially when I see some of the other guests you've had, I wonder what the heck does Mark want with me? But thank you, (laughs) Ramsey. And when I look at some of the other guests that have been here, um, I can now tell Bert Levy, I've been on your show.
0: There you go. Well, the honor was all mine. Great talking with you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You take care of your cars.